Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Can there be a connection between romance and the paranormal? What part does the multiverse play in personal relationships? Who or what has Lenora Dale fallen in love with? Hello and welcome to the 770th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno here on WOON, 1240 AM and 99.3 FM. And uh, this is our 11th year on the air. I'm Ben and those endearing questions came from my co-host, partner in the paranormal and dad, Paul. So today uh, we bring you an unusual subject on something that we really haven't touched upon before. And uh, to help us do that, we welcome back our uh, one of our one of our more popular guest co-hosts, uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley. And uh, if you'd like to be a part of the show today, you can call us at 401-766-1240 from anywhere or email Paul at BehindTheParanormal.com for those. Uh, before we introduce our guest, just a word about today's co-host for those of you who might have been marooned on City Alpha 6 for the last 40 years and don't know who she is. Rosemary Ellen Guiley is a, legendary, is a legend in paranormal and spiritual circles, having authored more than 65 books on every conceivable area of the unexplained. She has been a leading researcher, lecturer, and media figure for many years, continues to be one of the most prominent people in the field. We're always honored to have her with us. Okay, you there? You're with us, Rosemary? I am indeed. Thank you so much for that introduction, Paul. You know, it's been a while since I've been on the show, and I'm so excited about today to be a guest host as well. Well, that's that's great. <laughs> We're excited too. Yeah, so today's guest, uh, Dinah Roseberry, uh, is another paranormal renaissance woman, having written and co-authored 25 books that we know of. Jeez, where do you find the time? Uh, her subjects include ghosts, uh, tarot, oracles, uh, science fiction, fantasy, mystery, and romance. A professional editor, Dinah is also a certified hypnotherapist and researches past lives, future lives, alien abductions, and animal guides. So Dinah Roseberry, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. Yes, hi. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's great to have you on with us. So, our discussion about the paranormal and romance uh, today is based on your latest book. Uh, so that's um, Three Months to Change, uh, published in October by Visionary Living. Um, with Without giving away too much of the plot, can you uh, kind of give us like a little overview of the story? Yes. Um, it, well, it's a romance novel, and it is about a young woman who's about to turn 25. And she's going through some very, very strange, odd changes. And one of them involves her developing a protective sheen on her body that kind of protects her from, from anything or any person who might try to harm her. But she doesn't understand it. She doesn't, um, she can't explain it. She can't control it. So I begin with her about to be beaten up by an ex-boyfriend. And it brings that change about. And then it moves from there uh, to other kinds of things that are, are happening to her as, as well in the same kind of change thing. And then she becomes involved with a shapeshifter family who oddly seem to have a very ghostly problem that she just might have some insight into because she has a friend who is a ghost hunter. And that uh, the love interest in her uh, story is not a shapeshifter, but a man of some different kind of sort and it this is where the struggle is the struggle is to find out who or what he really is and then i have some chompers which i can't tell you too much about them without being a spoiler um and basically it's it's an eye-opening shock at what someone in love will accept beyond what's normally safe when it comes to the matters of the heart 
she's supposed to change when she turns 25, and that's three months from where the story begins. Thus, the title, Three Months to Change. So there's a mystery, a romance, it's an adventure with friends and ghosts and shapeshifters. And that, of course, is where you guys come in because it also involves the multiverse. Okay. Well, well, Dinah, when I uh, read the book, I was really excited about it. And, and by way of disclosure, folks, uh, Visionary Living is my publishing company, so that makes Dinah my author. Yay! I, I love romance novels. I've loved them for years. And, of course, I love the paranormal. Everyone knows I'm up to my eyeballs in the paranormal. And I've actually written some paranormal fiction myself. But one of the things that excited me so much when I read your novel were the themes that you're dealing with. They are so hot-button uh topics today time travel shape shifting the multiverse portals um, this we're hearing about these things in real life and here they are in this dynamic fiction story as well now you've got a background in nonfiction as well as fiction and you've dealt with a lot of the same topics i have so what inspired you to bring these topics into the fictional arena and also why a romance well, you know what? If you look into just about any story, and I mean almost any story, you can probably find some war movies that don't have romance in them, but there is some kind of romantic interest in almost every tale that's told. Um, what makes romance novels different is that the romance is the, uh, the top theme, um, and then it's supported by these other things. Now, I've always been the kind of person that wants to experience things, and then I write about them. Um, and that was pretty much the case with this, too. I've been uh, researching and, and ghost hunting and, you know, reading about and trying to understand all these different topics for many years, many, many years. And, of course, I've always loved science fiction and fantasy and horror and those kind of things. So that marrying those... Were some, was something that's very natural. And most of most of what I write uh, that is not nonfiction is in that vein. I do have a couple contemporary things, but for the most part, I'm all about paranormal. Well, fiction, of course, allows us to explore some of these frontier topics in a more dynamic way. We're not limited by the facts of somebody's experience. We can blend different accounts together. We can um, stretch our imaginations into a what-if situation. And uh, is, is, did you find that dynamic working for you here in, in moving these topics into fiction? Yes, I, I have always loved that what if thing. And, you know, I mean, I even use that in my daily life. Somebody, somebody will come to me with something and I might look at them and say, well, what if? And then that may, you can see the, the wheels turning in someone's eyes and head when, when you ask them that question because that forces them to look at things in a different perspective. And that's what fiction is about, you know, taking the, 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 uh, the thought process away from your own internal life and moving it someplace where you can go and relax. Yes, you can learn, but it makes you think and it makes you want to research things. So uh, that what if thing is really important to me. Well, I want to delve into some of the specific topics and then get uh, Paul and Ben's thoughts, too, on, on how these things are reflected in what we as researchers see. Um, but first, I want to ask you this question, Dinah. Uh, one of the things that I found as a nonfiction researcher 
that when I start delving into a topic, it seems I'm running into it all the time then in real life. Yes. Uh, hearing about it or something happens to me specifically, I start having the kinds of experiences I'm researching. You're dealing with some pretty bold things here with shape-shifting and time travel and opening doorways to other realities. What's happened to you in the course of writing this book? That You're talking about synchronicity, and that happens to me all the time. Um, in fact, it's, it's so scary sometimes. You, you just... You try to say to yourself, this can't be, but I don't believe in coincidences, so I do believe in synchronicity. Now, having said all that, I don't think that I've been time traveling. Um, I don't uh, believe I've met um, a shapeshifter of any kind. That's where my mind has opened up to some of the things that I've read about uh, that Paul and Ben have talked about with the multiverse and all things possible and all things happening somewhere at the same time. But at the same time, traditional um, fiction has been a big part of my life since I've been about 10, uh, where I've looked at the old horror movies and seen the werewolves and seen the vampires, and I've never lost the interest in those things. Um, I have had experiences with uh, aliens um, and seen UFOs and those kinds of things. Now, I didn't put that into the book, but we do have a whole uh, ghost hunting theme in there going, and I have done all those things, and I've had some very interesting uh, things happen um, in the ghost hunting world. Um, for example, I was one of, or I was in the team that was the first research group that went to Eastern State Penitentiary, and um, I had some experiences there. Uh, at that time, I didn't connect them to the multiverse or to uh, other times, even though I knew that it was from other times, you know, it's it's learning, you know, so you, it's like a path is laid out for you in this world of synchronicity. So I was traveling along that path so that eventually I could connect the dots. You know, I've been reevaluating time travel uh, in, in terms of ghosts and hauntings. And in fact, I have a book on time slips and space slips, time travel uh, coming out next year. So I've been focusing on this a lot in a way this sh very show is synchronistic. Uh, because I think we need to reevaluate a lot of our haunting experiences, uh, not so much as residual, residual hauntings, you know, where uh, things are just sort of left in psychic space, but that we may actually be experiencing displacements of time when we encounter haunting phenomena. What are your thoughts on that? I, I think um, that you're right, and it's really disturbing that, you know, to build... Um, thoughts or build your thinking over a time uh, frame and you come to believe one thing and then you hear about something that just rocks the world and those kinds of things uh, like that all time happens at the same time. It's so hard to get your brain around things like that but um, the, the slipping into other times and I, I haven't had anything like that happen to me but I have heard so many people say that they have that many people, they're not making up these things. I mean, I know there are some people out there that are looking for their 15 minutes of fame, but for the most part, people have their lives and they don't really care unless something's happened to them. And um, a lot of the people that I've talked to that are involved in varied kinds of research, they're all, they may all be over this around a huge circle, but they're all starting to move 
inwards and that circle is getting tighter and tighter in belief and then the scientists are in there as well the people who have thought that we were all crazy for how many years you know now they're kind of looking at things like well you know maybe maybe they're not so crazy after all of course those words aren't the words they use but you know what i mean Right. Some, some of them do still think we're, we're a bit on the crazy side, but I, I am glad to see more coming out with uh, theories in uh, quantum physics about how uh, a quantum hologram uh, could explain both the paraphysical and the physical. I'll just share with you a little story, and then, uh, Paul, I'd love to get your thoughts on uh, this sort of time travel aspect um, of hauntings as well. Um, I was at win the Winter Fair Estate, the um, Henry DuPont State in um, Delaware some years ago. And I took the tour and I asked the guide, as I always do, about hauntings. And she related a story to me where one of the staff closing up at night um, shut a door to a room, turned around in the hall, and was startled to see two people in mid-20th century dress having an animated but silent conversation. And they turned and looked at her and jumped in fright and ran into a room uh, and then started peeking around the edge. Well, at first she thought they were staff people that were just in period costume, uh, but why would they be reacting like that? She walks into the room, there's nobody there. So what do we have here? Do we have a case of like a kind of a residual haunting with a time travel twist to it. Have you encountered things like that, Paul? Well, exactly. As a matter of fact, I encountered <clears throat> the very same story, maybe from the very same person in the very same place in Delaware, the DuPont estate. It's, it's funny. <laughs> Talk about synchronicity. And I heard the same story <clears throat> because um, the group I was with was interested in these concepts of the multiverse and uh, the, the uh, simultaneity of all events, this sort of thing, as the theory anyway. And, and they said, obviously, this, and somebody mentioned residual haunting. If it was residual, they, they wouldn't uh, have been aware of us, presumably, or, or they wouldn't have reacted in that way. Uh, or it would be the so-called intelligent haunting. And neither, you know, I, I was an early advocate, I think as were you, uh, Rosemary, of the um, residual haunting idea, but you know, I, I discarded it some time ago when I was able to effect change in the so-called residual haunting by interacting with it. Probably not a good idea, but it didn't anyway. But the whole notion of time travel is, um, is was, was very interesting when I spoke with a physicist who's actually working on it. And he said that when you travel back and forth in time, you don't travel back and forth. You don't travel forward and backward, you travel sideways. Now, wasn't that an interesting way to put it? And the idea that, and he, he believed what, what Ben and I tend to believe, which is that, that you're, you're, you're moving sideways in, in a simultaneous multiverse where everything is happening at the same time. They really, as Einstein essentially proved in 1952, that there is no past, there is no future in any objective sense. That's just how we experience it. So... I, I would ask Dinah, um, how, you, the, the science, when people read your, this book, and when people read, I, I would dare to say, our books as well, they have to work at it a little bit, okay? It doesn't just fall in your lap. They, they have to try and get their minds around certain concepts. But the, I've been told that it's worth it when they do because it kind of provides an entirely new perspective. Uh, Dinah, how, how did you incorporate 
the the science, or some might say the pseudoscience, or the the fringe science, into some of the incidents in your book. Well, there's that whole what if thing again. Um, remember, you're talking fiction, so having these ideas or um, the thoughts about how things work. When you have a problem, what if you have this problem and it, it's to be solved with this thing that you believe, like the time travel or something like that? Then you just it just automatically comes together because it shows solution <clears throat> to um, to whatever problem there's that's happening. It's like a, a natural story flow. Um, telling the science though, and working hard at it, like you said. Um, that can be problematic in fiction, especially in romantic fiction. I tried to limit that a little bit because um, people aren't as who have have not delved into it are not as um, knowledgeable of it, and and they don't want to take the time to learn that. They want to see the romance. They want to hear the the love part of it. So, um, but I had to have that in some because one one of the people involved the actual love interest is a professor so you don't want your characters to be stupid either they need to be the type of character they are for the time frame that you're looking at and since this character goes back and forth in time we're including uh like the 1940s scientist with the scientist of contemporary modern day we, we never really know exactly how Frankie, that character, that mystery character, moves through time. And he seems to do it rather seamlessly. Um, are you, you, you've left room for a sequel here at the end of three months to change. Are we ever going to delve deeper into that? If people want to, if people seem to like it, I definitely did leave room for that. Um, there's a and and he did it wasn't seamless to him as he was traveling through and it wasn't seamless for Lenora who was trying to interpret it and could not um and yet it kind of felt a little ghostly which made one of her girlfriends Margot very happy because she felt she could understand um but yes there's there's definitely room for uh another another sequel That'd be great, yeah. Uh, Diana, I'd just be curious, uh, when you came up with, with the uh, incidents in the book and, and the various, uh, uh, whether it be shape-shifting or time travel or whatever, did you base any of that on either your, your maybe not your personal experiences, or maybe you did, uh, but on the experiences you had actually heard, uh, heard about from other people who had experienced things like that? Oh, so much of that is after I read your first book, uh, Behind the Paranormal, um, so much of what I'd been doing uh, came to the front as truth when I was reading your reading your book. So I've I've actually changed my thought process um, for a lot of things. And um, I mean, I mean, I'm feeling very differently about it now. So I would have to say, yes, that um, both yours and then I also talked with Jack Kenna who um, is one, he's um, on Paranormal Survivor uh, television program, and I talked a little bit to him, and I talked with uh, you, and read your book too, and it kind of felt right as I was moving along, and, and the more I wrote the fiction, the more I began to see the, the interest and the, the reality feeling that comes along with what I'm learning. 
Okay. You're always <laughs> learning in this field. Oh, you know, for you, sure. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you might think some one way for some a period of time, and then after that, you're you hear something and it makes more sense. You know, I I never miss ancient aliens. I mean, I I watch <laughs> yeah. I, I watch everything. You know, because everybody has ideas, and maybe they're not all right, but I think. That enough of the one about the multiverse is that I'm willing to change my thought processes about that. I think it's really interesting that there's there's like a like a theme of kind of not understanding but being okay with it, like accepting the mystery. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, I was. We were told by. I don't know if you were there at that particular book event, Ben, but it was uh, at a bookstore, and a man who had been an employee of Disney. Uh, in the special effects department, said, what, "Why, you know, why do you have to explain everything?" And I said, "Well, I mean, I, you, I suppose you don't, or maybe you can't, but we try because the explanations are more interesting than the phenomena. Sometimes, in our opinion, as, as one of our slogans is, uh, it's, it's not dealing with the paranormal is not the problem; it's dealing with the explanations." So uh, I think when we're getting into uh, some of the concepts you're introducing here uh, in, in fiction, uh, Dinah, certainly uh, th this is included. One of the things that, that might be going through the minds of some of the listeners right now, um, combining the ideas of romance and the paranormal, would be, okay, if this multiverse thing is true, um, okay, I... I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I'm dating the wrong person, or I never met the person I really wanted to date or even marry. I mean, can I, you know, is it possible to experience another world where I did meet that person? I mean, it sounds, maybe that's overly romantic, but has that thought crossed uh, the, your mind, Dinah, or, uh, or, or Rosemary? Um, and what are your thoughts uh, on, on the possibilities there, if there are any? Well, that's frightening because... Um and I'm hoping my ex-husband's not listening, but there's a life out there somewhere where I'm with him still, and he probably wouldn't like it either. <laughs> um, but I think so. Um, it feels like that could be true. And, you know, I, I also do with my hypnosis, I do past life regression. And like you said, now I believe that straight line theory of, of uh, time. So past life is really another life at another place at the same time as Parallel. the one you're living. And um, so that would mean all possibilities are open in that respect. Yeah, okay. And I think so. Uh, what, one of the things that, um, well, uh, well you've, you've read our, my next book, Dinah, uh, because yes. um, uh, in, in the first chapter, we're dealing with uh, mental illness and uh, psychiatric wards and stuff where I worked at in, in a pastoral capacity as a seminary student. And it just that seemed to be people experiencing many parallel worlds, uh, some of which were quite beautiful, others uh, quite horrifying. And uh, I didn't get into too much of that, but maybe in the next book. Um, do you have uh, concerns, as we do, that um, you could step over the boundary here into what this society considers mental illness if you have these experiences? Uh, whereas in reality, it seemed, it seemed that in the hospitals, there were two of them, I think in particular Augensburg, New York, St. Lawrence State Hospital, and uh, Norwich, Connecticut, uh, the Norwich State Hospital, both mercifully closed now, um, that um, half the staff ought to have been the patients and vice versa, you know. Um, we have a very narrow paradigm, and uh, as we approach these ideas, we may be getting into territory that, quote-unquote, normal society considers beyond the boundary. I mean, what, 
what do you what do you think do you think that's going to be more accepted or or are we uh, treading on thin ice here as authors well heck you know um however long ago 1600s was or 1800s i forget sorry um they were burning people for this kind of stuff thinking this way you know they were burning people alive calling us witches and that kind of thing yeah um so yeah it's it's a it's a thought I do think that there are a great many more people now who are becoming enlightened um, and who are open-minded enough to look at things. Um, but as far as the mental illness side, if if you're of a particular personality or mindset that you can't accept these things and can't not only not accept it but can't um, handle it, uh, yeah, I could see where they could put it, put you away or put us away if if that were the case um i personally don't have any real psychic uh things happening you know like i don't see um ghosts or angels and i mean i've seen a couple things but nothing that would make me so out there that i couldn't handle it but i think if it got if it got that way and for people anytime that's always the risk because there are people who are afraid of us Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, one uh, uh, one element uh, that I think is interesting in this blurring between nonfiction and fiction is that um, the fiction that deals with a lot of these themes, including paranormal romances, uh, other kinds of paranormal fiction, science fiction, uh, it often foreshadows and foresees changes that then become commonplace. And this is where the visionary aspect of the, of the fiction comes in. And uh, we can point to so many examples where um, authors have foreseen things that sounded incredible that soon became commonplace. Mm. And I think this is working its way out into reality through fiction in one way. Um, and also the more we participate in that, like people reading Dinah's book, uh, people reading accounts, um, historical nonfiction accounts of these sorts of things. We contribute to a shift in mindset uh, where a new reality then takes hold. And it, it, one of the things that we could posit is that the reality that unfolds in three months to change uh, could be our reality uh, at some point in, in the not-too-distant future. Okay, very good. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, we're going to take our bottom of the <clears throat> bottom of the hour break right now, and I want to get into the main character in the book when we come back. But you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON twelve forty AM and ninety nine three FM in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley, with our amazing guest co-host today, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, and our great guest Dinah Roseberry. We'll be right back. Hi, Parrot Heads. This is Joe Callahan, your maitre d' in the Tiki Bar every Tuesday night from 6 to 7, one full hour of nothing but Jimmy Buffett music. The Tiki Bar is brought to you by attorney Bob Lauder and by the Carew Investment Group. And we return to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. And today uh, we're talking about paranormal romance. Very interesting subject with many aspects to it. Probably more than we realized before we started the show, eh, Ben? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, with Rosemary Ellen Guiley, our guest co-host today, and Dinah Rosemary, author 
of the new book, Three Months to Change. So, uh, Dinah, let's get into the main character here, whom I find very interesting, Lenora Dale. And she has some sort of hereditary legacy, does she? Uh, th that sort of um, is a feature in the book? Uh, yes. And you learn very early on that um, her mother uh, had had a relationship with one of these um, wolf clan um, individuals. And she then becomes, if you will, hybrid. Of course, she doesn't know that. And interestingly enough, the changes to her are not what you would anticipate with shape-shifting. She's not shape-shifting at all. In instead, she's getting this protective sheen. Um, there's There are a few other things that are happening that are quite different. Okay. Uh, and Rosemary, you come out on this too. Did you tie into any of the, uh, and I'm thinking of uh, many of the, the uh, upright canine cryptid cases that we hear about, uh, particularly through our good friend uh, Linda Godfrey, who uh, specializes in that, and uh, was the journalist who broke the original story of the Beast of Bray Road in Wisconsin uh, some years ago. And uh, did you tie into any real events of that kind that involve upright canine cryptids? You know, people think werewolves. But uh, nobody dares say that. It's more uh, like, again, some sort of shape-shifting or uh, multiversal creatures coming through or whatever. Did you tie in any of those real, uh, real reports of such creatures? Uh, yes, in a couple of respects, Paul. Um, we've had a fascination with the shape-shifting human-to-animal form throughout our history, so many accounts. Um, but we find real evidence for that in the magical community uh, with shape-shifting being an aspect of sorcery that a certain skilled person can, can take on the attributes of an animal and move like an animal uh, for a period of time. And whether this is done in an actual physical form or an astral form, uh, the boundaries get a little blurry. Uh, and then when uh, I started researching the um, the fringes of some of the pagan communities, uh, people who had um, what they said was a kinship with certain animals, or they felt they had a, a shape-shifted bloodline to, uh, to animals. And I did interview people who claimed to be able to shape-shift uh, into a wolf form, but I never received any demonstration of that. The individuals explaining that uh, they didn't do it for show. They only did it under certain circumstances, but they claim to be able to do it at will. These traditions do exist, and I believe that uh, it is possible under certain circumstances for an individual to do that. Um, and like Linda, uh, you know, I've written on the on the topic myself, and I've uncovered examples from history as well as modern times that. Um, they're too compelling to ignore or s explain away. Um, one of the interesting things, Dinah, in your book um, is that the shape-shifting isn't quite a werewolf sort of thing for the uh, entities, I will call them entities, the wolf entities, that Lenore becomes involved with. And can you explain your twist on that? Well, first off, I have to say, uh, or I have to admit that I didn't base them on any of the reality or the situations that were that were really um, out there in the world. I just love the shapeshifters, and and that's what it, it turned out to be. And I didn't want them to be werewolves of, of a frightening nature, that kind of thing. So I made them um, 
an intelligent uh, crew and not really very different than a uh, very strong, tightly knit family um, that you would see in everyday life. But I gave them that that extra little oomph that made them totally different and totally frightening to the main character, Lenora. I needed her to have something to keep her off balance um, and to work through and to work for and to understand as she moved forward. So I'm, I kind of cheated on that one. I mean, the ghost stuff is real. You know, I did it off of real research and stuff like that, but I didn't do that with the wolf. I just did it off of the love of it. So what do we call these creatures? Uh, they're not werewolves. They're wolves who shapeshift into human form. I think we have a, a new type of entity here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, ben, yeah, Ben had a question. Okay. So uh, I, I'm trying to, trying to formulate it in my head. So I had a professor back in the day when uh, I, I was in college, and he I, it was actually a class on Westerns, but I'm basically taking his point and kind of applying it anywhere else. Um, the guy was actually really, really brilliant, uh, and he made a point that in any sort of media, nothing ever happens by mistake, that every, everything is purposeful. You know, any, any movie you watch, if there's some sort of thing that looks like it's a mistake, nine times out of ten, it's actually there because it's supposed to be there, except for The Graduate. But we won't, we won't talk about the final scene in The Graduate because that's not on topic. The topic is, so, you know, this is def it's, a, it's a work of fiction, you know, maybe it's just a story you wanted to tell. But did you kind of have like a bigger goal for the book? A bigger goal for the book? Um was the story it was the goal was uh i wanted to get the things that i knew and loved and believed in in a fiction format that would entertain the masses that really it was the story it was all for the story is that a high enough goal i mean it's what it is i think it may have some sort of like unintended higher goal consequences because we we were mentioning earlier that you know fiction is a great way for people to learn you know there's yes. a there's that argument in um in in the uh disclosure community that you know uh, most of these films and, and pieces of media that are coming out now are are meant to sort of educate us on the world around us you know where with alien presences and entities and stuff like that and um you know i i tend to agree because with the change in media over the past few years even some like um even the realm of like video games and stuff like that there was a there was a whole game that was made completely around the concept of the multiverse which was utterly fascinating but anyway uh, i digress so i think i think with with the concepts that you're kind of tackling in this it's in a very digestible format it's in it's in a way that people can connect to it it's it's definitely um an intimate experience for someone to kind of take it and engage the material that may even lead them to learning more and more things. Do, do you agree? I do agree with that. And it's, it's kind of an unintended consequence, but at the same time, uh, whenever uh, a writer is writing fiction, um, they are imparting to the reader their own experiences, even if it's coming out in another way. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, even, even the most horrible horror creature um, has some kind of uh, consequence to to the reader and for my case for the for the different things that these that Lenora is going through um, she is learning just as I learned as I started to go through and then I applied the what if to to it 
And then hopefully people who are romance readers will become more open to the paranormal um, things that are new, you know, that people aren't hearing that much about just yet, you know, pioneering, so to speak. Well, this would be a question for both of you uh, on the notion of the nature of a paranormal experience. Now, we're always harping on the idea that people don't just sit there and things happen. I mean, you bring to the experience what you bring to the experience. Uh, I'm thinking of sometimes, uh, for example, Bigfoot sightings. I mean, mine was very benign, and uh, I felt privileged. Uh, and a little girl, like right down the road, had a similar experience and was utterly terrified and to this day won't talk to us about it so far anyway. So in the, getting back to the notion of shape-shifting in this vein, is it possible uh, in, whether it's in the book or whether it's in, in uh, real experiences, that the shape-shifting is not, as, as uh, Rosemary mentioned, physical necessarily, but is, is a shift within the perception of the person seeing the person or the creature? In the in the book, it's it's um, not it's it's real in the book. Yeah. Um, but I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, that sounds a lot like what shamans say, shamans say, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. where things are out of um, perception and, and that kind of thing. Um, so I, I think that that's more likely to happen in our time frame here than what I've written about, um, because. In your mind's eye, you can see things, and things do come to you when you're meditating and, and those kinds of things. Um, and that's not in physical reality, so to speak. It's 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 something beyond that. Now, what that is, now that's the question. You know, where that comes from. Yeah, exactly. Well, actually, I, I got that concept from a shaman in Australia. 1979. Uh, Rosemary, what are your thoughts on, on that, uh, the perception versus the actual change? It's a very blurry line. Uh, and even if, uh, the, even if the, the transition is placing consciousness into, say, an astral form, a created thought form, uh, they take on these thought forms, if that's what they are, they take on a tangibility that becomes physical to the percipient. And there are so many accounts of uh, the shape-shifted form being able to do physical things that would require mass uh, and people coming into contact with them and feeling force and mass. So is it a literal physical form or is it something that still involves our perception that acts on our perception in such a way that that's how we engage with it? Um, Take, uh, for example, shadow people. They're famous shapeshifters. And while they don't shapeshift into animal form, um, they will take on um, black clouds, blobbiness, uh, and they will disappear in an instant, uh, like smoke or vapor. Uh, and yet, right before that, in the instant before that, they can seem real physical. They'll block out light. If they grab somebody, it's with a force. So these may be bends in what we would call the laws of our reality that um, maybe aren't so much bends in the laws, they're just uh, aberrations of the laws of reality that we don't understand yet. And uh, works like fiction, like Dinah's book, open us up to these possibilities and, and lay the groundwork for us contemplating it 
and uh, even integrating it into our worldviews. One of the basic concepts behind romance is, of course, love. Um, I was a weird kid, <coughs> probably not too hard to believe, but I would sit there watching Star Trek, and I would get livid at Mr. Spock when he said, oh, well, love is an emotion, I don't really understand it, or you know, some words to that effect. And, uh, but I always had the idea, and, and this sort of matched up what the shaman in Australia told me in 1979, that love is not an emotion, it's a state of being. It, it, it's, it's, it's a way of living that is all-encompassing, all all-inclusive, all and uh, things of this kind, and, and that's how you respond. You know, it, it is unconditional and this sort of thing. How do you approach the notion of love in the book, Dinah? Um, in the book, it's kind of a a surprise. It's it's it is. I do agree with you being, that it's a state of mind, um, but you have to be ready to accept that state of mind. Mm. Um, and sometimes, uh, through say anxiety or stress or misinterpretation of of what one sees when they're in the presence of possi the possibility of love, that that can cause even like the fight or flight response, you know, um, it, it's so in the book, she's, she's surprised by it, but, uh, she lets herself open to it. And then she chastises herself for doing that. You know, she goes back and forth because she can't explain this kind of love or how it's happening or why it's happening in this way. There were so many new things. So I've approached it that way as, as, as a mystery, Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, I can certainly see that. One of the other notions, too, I don't know, Ben, if you want to jump in here, or, or Rosemary, uh, but I just had one more thought on this. The notion of physical danger in the paranormal, uh, whether it be when you're out uh, running around some old hospital or, you know, hunting Bigfoot or whatever is happening, the notion uh, of a physical danger is, I think, often uh, undersold. Uh, I think that there are definite physical dangers, uh, particularly when you're dealing with uh, unknown creatures. Is there any notion, and I, I'm at the disadvantage of not having read the book because it came out so recently, um, is, is there a notion of physical danger at any point in the book, uh, which of course is, is, a, is a, a feature of fiction in many cases, uh, particularly in regard to the, the, uh, the wolf clan and the shapeshifting? Yes, um, there is, and there's also um, a group of creatures called the Chompers. I was going to ask you about the Chompers, yeah. I don't want to tell too much about the Chompers because that would chomp away with the uh, spoilers here. Yeah, I see what you but, did there, yeah. But it, at the, but yes, there's, uh, and, and that becomes part of the mystery of the love as well. Uh, and when I was talking about the fight or flight, when whenever you're um, in a situation of fear, you know, the way you react to fear is you can multiply that fear by just being afraid. Um, and, and that you can see in this. So sometimes she's able to come back from it very quickly. Other times she's less able to do that, which of course is the conflict that you need to have in, in any fictional story. So, uh, but yes, there's, there's plenty of fear in there. But one of, one of my readers has said, asked me ahead of time, am I going to be so afraid that I can't sleep at night? No, <laughs> uh, this is a romance. And um, 
you're going to be fine, you know, and it's a happily ever after kind of thing. So, um, yes, there's going to be uh, frightening little things that happen or creepy things that might happen and things that you might not understand until things move along. Um, but, yes, there's definitely some fear involved for okay. her. Well, before we burn up our, our hour here, I want to give uh, Dinah first, uh, you a chance to talk about, again, the book, where people can get it, and uh, where they can find out more about you. The uh, best place to find out about me um, is at roseberrybooks.com. You can also um, hear an audio chapter there about the book i've uh, recorded that and that should be coming out very shortly you can also get my book through amazon or barnes and noble or any place where books are sold and from rosemary's site visionary publishing visionary living publishing.com um any any of those sites will take you right to my book excellent and uh, i want to stress that we've got a difference here that there's roseberry B-E-R-O and Rosemary, okay, are two, yes. the two roses here. So, Rosemary, uh, tell us about, again, your books and where people can find out more about you. Visionaryliving.com is my personal website. That's where I have my calendar, blog, and uh, articles. And uh, my publishing site, as Dinah mentioned, is visionarylivingpublishing.com. I have over 30 books out now. And uh, Dinah's book, Three Months to Change, by the way, is... Uh, the debut romance for Visionary Living. Uh, and uh, I also have some thriller fiction. Uh, I have uh, one thriller novel out and uh, two coming out in 2019 and some more romance fiction, a collection of short stories that will be out in January. And I know Dinah's working on more fiction, which I'm very excited about because I love her work. Uh, it is so nicely done, just very deftly put together. Well, I envy you both. I, I, I'm still a working journalist. I make my living as a writer, but I, you know, I, a lot, most of it's journalism, and I consider paranormal work a part of that. However, um, and one question I had in my mind here, and I think a lot of the listeners may be, may be wondering too, Dinah, is if someone is interested in the paranormal and not necessarily romance, would they still be interested in your book, or vice yeah. versa? If someone's interested in romance and not necessarily the paranormal, would they would they still be interested in uh, Three Months to Change? Yes, yes, they would. Um, and again, it's because every story that you can find has uh, some interaction between um, relationships with people. So yes, it's okay. for so anybody. Both everybody counts. who loves, yeah, okay. both counts. Excellent, uh, Ben. Any. Um, Further thoughts here? Um, I do not. Okay, Rosemary. Uh, yes, a comment there on uh, the, the genre itself of romances. I became involved in the romance industry in the 1980s, and uh, back then the bodice ripper, the historical bodice ripper, was one of the big things, the sweet romance, young, man, young woman, older man, sort of uh, Heathcliff kind of situation. Yeah. Uh, and the, uh, romances have really evolved over time to reflect um, the current status of women, the interests of women, uh, not just in romance, but in terms of their everyday lives, how they see themselves. The strong heroine has emerged and various subgenres have developed as well. I will say that the paranormal subgenre within romance is probably the biggest and most robust and it spans an amazing array of themes with um, 
uh, all kinds of creatures and scenarios and uh, universes. So it's dynamic. And uh, even though the paranormal elements are in that, they still reflect back to uh, the modern day reader in terms of uh, what are we thinking about? Uh, what are we coming across in the news feed? Uh, how are we viewing ourselves? And, uh, you know, when we think about big questions like uh, where do I fit in in the cosmic scheme of things? What else is out there? And then with the love interest, the romantic angle, it's the merging of, of some ideal themes here. So it, it makes for a, a very stimulating, thought-provoking package. Uh, I did have one more question for Dinah, if we have uh, enough time here. Sure. And that relates to the chompers. These are negative entities. And uh, Dinah, could you tell us a little bit about the chompers and where you got your inspiration for them? Oh, gosh, inspiration for the chompers. Do you remember uh, those creatures? What the heck was the name of those creatures, those round ball creatures? Langoliers. Like that, like the Langoliers, but it was an even hokier movie. <laughs> yeah. um, they, they were round creatures, and they had big mauls, and um, they... Oh, I'll be off the air before I think about what it was. But <laughs> but the, but I always thought they were terrifying when I was young, when I was a little girl. I thought these things were really creepy. And then I forced them on my daughter, who is, by the way, the model on the front cover of my book. Oh. Uh, and I just love them for all times. The Chompers are just great creatures, but they're very, very bad pe creatures. <laughs> they, they, eat it, they eat up the wolves. They eat anything. <laughs> they they I eat people anything. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I don't I don't want to say too much more about them because they really are the basis of the problem. And they uh, you know, learning about them, um, I could solve the world's issues. Nobody's laughing. Okay. <laughs> All right. We have some we have some canned laughter in here in the in the sound effects somewhere. I just don't know where. <laughs> oh, good. That's uh, those tacky anyway. Okay, so uh, that's um. Is there a is there a caller? Oh, it looks like it. Well, okay, I'll, I'll well, handle that. So please continue. Okay, we've got about uh, two minutes left for a uh, caller. If there's one, uh, someone calling in from the uh, from the audience, uh, I wanted to ask too. Um, about events that um, either of you are doing or book signings. There's, you know, wave listeners all over the place. And uh, so that was not a call. Well, no, he was actually saying, I think the movie she was looking for was Critters. Oh, Critters? Yeah, that's it. That's right. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Whoever, whoever called in, thank you very there, much. There we go. So just uh, very, very briefly, um, what, uh, do you have any book signings coming up, events, uh, book promotional things people could tie into, Dinah? Well, the audio is going to be released very soon, so um, that's going to be very exciting for us. And I'll be on uh, Marla Brooks' Stirring the Cauldron uh, on the 30th of this month. Okay. Yeah. Um, we haven't set up any actual physical signings yet, but we're, we're about to do that. Okay. Uh, Rosemary, what do you have coming up as far as public events? Uh, my next event is going to be Alien Snowfest in Big Bear Lake, California at the end of January. This is the second annual Alien Snowfest. I'll be talking about uh, transformations that happen as the result of alien contact. And um, then my next big trip from there, 
for the spring will be England, where I will be investigating the very haunted Dudley Castle with a oh. couple of mediums. That's one of our ancestral homes, <laughs> as a matter of fact. Is it really? Yeah, my, my mother was uh, related to the Dudleys, so. There well, I'll, I'll so tell watch you out how you treat our ancestors. Yeah, so, yeah, great. I have um, a pretty full slate already for next year, and it's on the events page at visionaryliving.com. Very good. Okay, well, we, uh, we're just about out of time here for uh, our guest. Uh, Dinah, thank you for a, a great show. I don't know, I think WOON should uh, fire us and hire you two. <laughs> anyway, but uh, Dinah, great, great job, and we'll be talking to you off the air. Okay, thank you. All right. Rosemary, stick with us. you got some more work to do. All right. Then uh, let's get to our announcements here. Alrighty, so gift giving time is here uh, for any unusual friends or relatives whose tastes run to the weird and unexplained. Please consider uh, giving autographed copies of our books. Our latest titles include uh, Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong, Behind the Paranormal 2, Bigfoot, uh, Mothman, and Monsters You've Never Heard Of. In my mind, every time I say Behind the Paranormal 2, I want to say Electric Boogaloo, but I, I can't. Um, it's a joke, Father. Okay. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> They're available from uh, 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 online retailers and in, and in some stores as well. Uh, but for autographed copies, please visit online uh, on our bookstore. That's uh, behindtheparanormal.com. Okay, well, Rosemary, you've already talked about your books and website, but why don't you give us your website one more time? It's visionaryliving.com. Full slate of my events to date coming up. Oh, by the way, I did want to mention I've just signed on for a terrific cruise in September, the Spirit Heart Cruise. Hmm. Spiritheartcruise.com is where you can go find out about it. It's a week-long uh, floating classroom and fun trip in the Caribbean. Wow. Oh, that's actually kind of cool. cool. Huh. I think of the Caribbean, I think of being back in the Coast Guard and chasing pirates and stuff. Well, yeah. Meanwhile, uh, our first event of 2019, at least so far, uh, will be an encore at the Town of Prospect Senior Center in uh, Connecticut on uh, April 23rd, and we will keep you posted as uh, details develop. Okay, and Rosa, I guess we've already said you have things cooking for next year, so we're all set with that. Uh, my next book, Dancing Past the Graveyard, Poltergeist, Parasites, and Parallel Worlds, and God, I know there's too many ands in there, uh, is in the hands of the publisher, and I've learned that it will be published in hardcover in 2019, and we'll keep you posted on a release date. Already, and uh, you can also find out more about our show at our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com. You can also uh, hear about our many cases over the years, our public appearances, and you'll find over 800 free recorded shows from our 10-plus years on the air, including our four-and-a-half-year run on CBS Radio, along with special shows and podcasts. Uh, there are also links to several charities Ben and I have adopted, including uh, especially uh, veterans charities, usacares.org, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, and uh, some wonderful charities. And again, we know the people who run these things, so they're legitimate. Uh, Helping Haiti's Orphans, Youth, Ment <coughs> excuse me, Youth Mentoring Connection in Los Angeles, and the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America. So, Ben, what's in the fridge for next week? Well, I guess we're going to be uh, not heating up some leftovers. We're going to be making something brand new. So uh, next week, December 16th, here on WON, 1240 AM and 99.3 FM, uh, we will have a very unusual subject, The Cult of Venus, uh, with author, author David Brody. So this might not be what you expect. Yeah, it's not necessarily about um, the, the actual worship of Venus. It's about... Uh, the, the feminine aspect of deity and also pre-Columbian activity in New England hmm. regarding that uh, the Knights, possible Knights Templar, things of this kind that uh, uh, would be something um, of, of great interest to those interested in both the paranormal and uh, antiquities. 
You know what I actually found out? Apparently, um, Oak Island, they actually did find the treasure. They did? Very recently. Well, we got relatives up there who know the owners of the land. I haven't heard a whisper about that. No, apparently they, they dug up some stuff recently. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, to, oh, well there's another show. Yeah. Anyway, we'll leave you this afternoon with a thought from that old sweetheart, Albert Einstein. The important thing is never to stop questioning. I'm Paul Eno. I'm Ben Eno. And I'm Rosemary Ellen Guiley. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you behind the paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.